Uh, If you have a Bible with you, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 13, we are going to be starting actually in a new series today. Uh, It's still reading out of the Gospel of Matthew, but uh, we're actually going to be talking about the parables of Jesus. And so uh, if you turn to Matthew chapter 13, that's where we're going to be this morning. And as you turn there, um, I want to point out a couple things that uh, for many of us, if we read the parables, they can be confusing, right? I I don't know if you're anything like me, but I've read the parables uh, many times, and many times they're just really confusing. You're like, what what is Jesus talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Or you're not really sure why does Jesus use parables, and why doesn't he just say what he means? Why does he use these, these kind of stories? And uh, you're not alone in asking those questions. I mean, I've asked them, generations have asked them, and even the original audience asked those questions. So as we jump into the text this morning, hopefully we can address some of those things, uh, but ultimately we want to really understand what Jesus is saying through the parables, why he uses them, and then what he's saying to each of us in them. So if you read with me in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake which is like every other person in the city of Spokane on Memorial Day weekend. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. Jesus, as we come to your parable, um, the parable of the sower, uh, we want to understand what you are communicating in it. Uh, We want to know what you would say to us, why you use this imagery, why why use it in this way. And so I pray for each of us this morning as we come to hear from you, that you, God, would speak to us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to keep reading on in the text, but I just want to pause right there because that's what the original crowd of people gathered to hear Jesus, that's what they would have heard. So we get this story where Jesus goes and he sits by a lake and then there's a crowd there and so he goes out on a boat and pushes out a little ways and it creates this sort of natural amphitheater. So Jesus is on a boat, the crowd is on the shoreline listening to him and it says that he began to teach them many things in parables. And then he tells this story of Um, a farmer or a sower. And uh, that ought to make us, I mean, for many of us, we don't use the word parable very often. I mean, I don't know how often you've ever used it in everyday language, but that probably doesn't happen that much. So what is a parable? Well, the word parable, the English word parable, comes from the Greek word parabole, which really just means to set two things side by side, to to set two things, to juxtapose them, to to present them next to each other. It's uh, to compare them. It's to contrast them. It's to make an extended simile. So if you remember from grammar class, like in sixth grade, there's similes and metaphors. Similes have the words like or as. And what you get throughout the parables is the kingdom of God is like, and then some story. So again and again, you have this language of 
the kingdom of God is like. But really, all the, all the parables are extended similes. They teach us what God is like, what the world is like, what we are like, what the kingdom of God is like. And so Jesus teaches these things in stories, their images, their parables. And that's because on a, on a big level, what parables do is that they reveal deeper truth. Parables reveal a deeper truth. Things that would be otherwise hard to understand or otherwise hard to get or grasp. And Jesus wasn't the first rabbi to do this. Jesus wasn't even the first person in the Bible to do this. So if you're familiar with the story of King David, when David has his, uh, I guess, moment of downfall in 2 Samuel, where he sees Bathsheba, she's bathing on the roof, he says, go get that woman, he brings her into his house, he sleeps with her, she gets pregnant, he brings the, the husband back from the front lines of warfare and uh, tries to cover up his tracks, essentially. Ultimately, he ends up murdering Uriah, the, the husband of this woman. He en- ends up murdering the guy uh, to cover up his tracks. And then there's this guy, Nathan, in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 12. This guy, Nathan, who's a prophet. And the prophet Nathan comes to David and he starts to tell him a story. And he tells him a story of a rich man who stole a lamb from a poor man. So this guy in power and, and with wealth steals something from a poor man. And so Nathan tells him this story. And as David's hearing the story, David gets mad. David starts getting angry. Like, well, how dare this guy? And, he, and David threatens to kill the rich man who does this. And then Nathan, uh, so to speak, turns the mirror. And he literally says, you are that man. He, he, he shows to David what he has done in sleeping with Bathsheba and then killing Uriah. He says, you are that man. And then David, confronted with his own sinfulness, says, I have sinned against the Lord. And that is an example of a parable. This is something that otherwise Nathan could have just walked up to David and said, hey, you have done this wrong thing. But, but in presenting it as a parable, David has come to this kind of deeper understanding, this, this, what otherwise would have been hard for him to see, uh, Nathan uses the parable to reveal deeper truth, reveal what's going on, and David sees it. But these can be really confusing, right? Uh, all the time, I mean, Jesus talks in a lot of parables, I wish I would have counted, but there's a lot of parables throughout the Gospels, and a lot of times they're confusing. They're not just confusing for us, they're confusing for the original audience. So if you pick back up where we left in verse 10, it says, the disciples came to him, that's the disciples went to Jesus and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He, that's Jesus, replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, and then he quotes from Isaiah 6. He says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. So Jesus transitions from why talk in parables and then gives an interpretation of his own parable. Verse 19, 
When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil, this this soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So Jesus gives both a teaching on why he teaches in parables and he gives an interpretation of his parable. So first, why does Jesus use parables? Why does Jesus use parables? Well, if you want to, flip back to Isaiah 6. If you have a Bible or Bible app, flip back to Isaiah 6 because it's really helpful. If you're anything like me, you may have heard uh, or read this passage in Matthew 13 and thought to yourself, Jesus teaches in parables so that people won't understand him. Jesus purposely teaches in parables so that the crowds don't understand him and then only the in-crowd get to understand. I, for whatever, 22 years, read the passage like that. That's how I understood why Jesus taught in parables. But that's, that's because I only stopped at those first couple verses. I, I didn't understand the context of what's going on in Isaiah 6, which is what Jesus quotes from. So anytime Jesus quotes the Old Testament, we should probably have an understanding of what he's quoting. Because when he quotes an Old Testament passage, his audience understands the whole story. They're much more literate in terms of understanding the story of the scripture than we were. We are. And so if you know the story of Isaiah 6, Isaiah 1 through 5 is God talking about the sinfulness of Israel, all the bad things that are going on. And then by the time that we get to Isaiah 6, you have this guy named Isaiah, and there's this famous throne room scene where Isaiah is in the throne room of God. And he says, woe is me. You know, it's, people get tattoos of this stuff all the time. And in verse 8 is the very, very common uh, question and this, this statement. Isaiah 6, chapter 8 is where we'll pick up. So Isaiah is speaking. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, go and tell this people, go and tell Israel, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, turn and be healed. So what's God saying to Isaiah? Chapters 1 through 5 is God talking about, really, he's bringing a case against Israel. He says, look, we've had this covenant agreement. You've broken it in this 160,000 different ways, chapters 1 through 5. And now I'm going to hire uh, a lawyer, so to speak. He's like a, Isaiah is like a prosecution lawyer that God hires to go and speak to Israel and say, look at all the things that you have done. Look at all the ways that you've broken the covenant. You have heard all of these things, but you haven't listened. You have seen all these signs, but you haven't responded. You, you know all the statutes, and you know what you're doing, and yet you continue to worship idols and sacrifice your children to the God of Canaan. You, you continue to do all these sinful things. 
And so what God is saying in Isaiah isn't, go and tell them all those things so that they don't understand. What he's saying is that there is a condition of their heart that makes them unable to receive what I'm saying. And so in the same way, when Jesus talks in parables, Jesus isn't purposely hiding the meaning of the parables. But what Jesus is doing is that he's revealing the heart condition of the hearers. And that's why there's this language of be ever hearing or be ever seeing. So be ever hearing. You hear all these things and you never understand. Or you see all these things and yet you never perceive. So I can speak to this from personal life experience. Uh, when I would read uh, passages of the Bible, either in my early college years or even maybe before that, what I would do is I would, I would do Bible roulette, so I'd like find an Old Testament passage, be like, okay, maybe God's going to speak to me through this, and I would read a passage and it would make absolutely no sense. Because I would come to it with this, um, I, didn't, I didn't actually want to do what it was telling me to do, I just, I just kind of wanted to have you know, something to read and something to understand. So I came to it with almost an authority over the text. I did not intend to actually respond to what was going on. And a fundamental shift happened over time was that I actually wanted to start responding to what God was saying in the scriptures. I mean, I used to think of God's commands in scriptures as like the ultimate killjoy who just wanted to make sure I didn't have fun. That's the way I thought of God's commands. And over time, as I was taught and as I had a mentor, I was taught that actually, and I came to believe, that God's commands aren't like the cosmic killjoy. God's commands are the loving Father who wants what's best for me and wants what's best for humanity. And so what, what shifted over time was I would read the scriptures with this intent to actually respond. And things started to make sense in a wholly different way. I don't know if you've ever done that before. You've read a passage like a hundred times in your life and then you come to read it one day and you're like, you know what, I never saw it like that before. Because you've come to it with a different heart posture. And that is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the parables. Because his audience has a specific set of ears to hear or lack thereof. So all of this is to point out that the heart posture, our disposition towards God actually matters in how we hear from him. So if we're closed off, if we assume we already know it all, if we assume that we don't have anything to learn, that affects how God speaks to us, how we hear from him. That also means that if we're obedient and ready to respond and responsive and have soft hearts, that affects how we hear from God as well. That affects what God says to us and how we understand him. So what Jesus does is he speaks in parables to reveal the, the heart of the hearers. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear, is what he says. And... Uh, what Jesus does, I mean, it's, it's the difference between hearing and listening. Uh, I don't know if my wife could very much speak to this. So there's a difference between me hearing the audible sounds of someone else and me listening to them, right? So if I'm doing something else, maybe on my phone or on a computer, probably with something technology in front of me, I can hear the audible sounds of what's going on, but I'm not necessarily listening to them. That is the sort of difference. You, you might hear them, Jesus is saying, you might hear these words, but if you don't have the ears to listen to them, then you, it, it won't make any sense. Which is why Jesus reveals these things to his disciples, because his disciples have demonstrated that they want to respond to him. And so Jesus reveals the meaning of the parable of the sower to his disciples, which is then passed on to us in the Gospel of Matthew. 
So Jesus explains that there's these different things in the parable. So we're going to put an image up. I think image is helpful. Some of us are visual learners. This is from the 12th century. I also thought it was really cool. So uh, in Jesus' parable, there's not a guy with tights. Um, I don't think farmers in the, the ancient Near East dressed like uh, medieval yeah, squires or something. Uh, but this is helpful because this, uh, this is art from the 12th century when they're trying to understand the parable of the sower. So there's a sower, he's a farmer, and he's broadcasting seed. So he doesn't have the little Scots seed planter thing, he's just throwing seed out. And the seed falls on different types of soil. So some, some seed falls on the hard pathway, like a road. Some seed falls in rocky soil. Some seed falls among thorns, so pathway, rocky soil, thorns, and then some falls in good soil. And Jesus explains to us that the sower is the one who shares the message of the kingdom, and the seeds are the message of the kingdom. Jesus says that the seeds are the message about how God's kingdom has come near, about how God has come to rescue and save his people, about how God has drawn near to us to have victory over sin and death. That's the seed. And the soils are different dispositions of people. Some are hard, some are rocky soil, some are soil filled with thorns, and some are good soil. Now let's dive into that a little bit. Because I don't think that Jesus pairing Isaiah 6 with this parable, I don't think it's coincidence. Because Isaiah 6 is all about the hearers and what type of hearers Israel are like. And why parables are used is to, to expose the heart of the hearer, right? Well, that's what Jesus says about Isaiah 6. That's how Jesus frames his use of the parables. And then he tells a parable about different types of hearers. There's not a coincidence there. I think it's entirely intentional. So the first type of soil is the pathway or the path or the road. And Jesus says that the seed on the path is when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Now, if you weren't here last week, this word understand, you should go back and listen to the teaching on the website, but this word understand, we think of it in terms of brain and head knowledge and comprehending the language. But if you caught it in the Isaiah 6 passage even, God says understand with their heart. The language of scripture, the word understand is much broader than head knowledge. It's about heart. It's about receptiveness. It's about openness. It's about wisdom to respond to God. This word understand involves way more than just head knowledge. So when we think of understand, we're like, oh, these people just didn't comprehend what Jesus was saying, and that, that's horrible. Well, but Jesus is talking about something way deeper, that they don't have the heart to receive the message. They don't have the heart to receive the seed. And again, this is sort of like the difference between listening to respond and listening to understand. So this is a little side note, but I guess it's good training for especially uh, those of us who want to have good listening skills. Well, there's two types of listening. There's listening to respond, and there's listening to understand. So if you've ever been in a conversation with someone, and you can tell that they're just pausing talking until you're done so that they can talk again. You ever been in a conversation with someone like that? It's really frustrating. That, that's listening to respond. Really, it's just pressing pause on your own words so that you can give them airtime, and then you can respond back. That's listening to respond. And then there's listening to understand, which is 
listening to actually get what they're saying, listening to actually empathize and to feel and to love the person as they are speaking. There's a difference between just comprehending the information and actually understanding it. So that's one type of soil, is, is the, the, the type of disposition that is just hard, not willing to respond, not willing to understand. Then there's another type of soil, which is rocky ground. And Jesus says that this refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this type of soil, it's like, like a star. It burns really, really fast and really, really hard, but then ultimately turns into a supernova because there's just no depth. Uh, this type of, of soil, they may, it may look great, it may look awesome at first, and then three weeks, four weeks, three years down the road, like, yeah, I like Jesus and all still, but I don't know, I, all this other stuff happened, uh, it, I, I know plenty of people like this. And, and maybe you even identify with that here today. You're like, I don't really have a sense of root. I really don't have, I, I feel like I'm at my end of this all difficulty and trouble has come and I'm ready to walk away. Maybe that's you here this morning. And if it is, you know, just say that there's grace and there's forgiveness and, and Jesus actually wants to do something with that. So the fact that you can even acknowledge that you're in that place is a good thing because Jesus wants to give you a new sense of rootedness. There's a third type of soil, and that soil is filled with thorns and weeds. If you've neglected everything I've set up until now, this, I think, is the most important thing for us in the United States of America to listen to. Soil with thorns. What does Jesus say about it? He says that this refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. I know in my own life, that there have been dozens, perhaps even hundreds of times, that the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth have choked my fruitfulness. Worrying about, hey, if I could just like, make more commission, and then I could have more money, and then I just I go down this, this path of, of thought and worry. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. If I could just have that nicer house, or if my, my front yard just wouldn't have weeds in it, I just get so concerned with some of those things that it chokes my fruitfulness. Or we become so concerned and so distracted with all these other things in our life that the fruitfulness, which we all know we ought to have and which we know God wants us to have, we're choked. We feel choked by it. That's a really common experience for each and every one of us. I think especially in the U.S. If you've ever traveled to like a developing nation, like in Uganda, one of the most common things you'll hear when people come back is they don't have anything, but they have so much joy. I don't know if you've heard that from people who've traveled to places where material wealth is not as common. You'll hear time and time again, they don't have anything, and yet they're so filled with joy. I think what's going on there, partially, is, is they're not choked by the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. And so Jesus says to us, that when we are choked by those things, our fruitfulness is choked out. And then there's a fourth type of soil, which is good soil. And that refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Remember, the word understand involves a disposition of the heart. 
It's a willingness to hear and digest and receive the words of Jesus. It's a wisdom to respond to the warnings and the commands. It's the, it's the belief that Jesus is who he says he is. That it's a soft, good, well-drained, full-of-nutrient kind of soil. That is a type of soil that grows and produces a crop that is exponential. It's, it's the soil that's, that's soft and malleable in the hands of the farmer. It's the soil that lets the message take hold, take deep root, and then spring up a crop that's exponential. So I will always remember an experience that I had when I completely misunderstood this. So when I was in college, I went to Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon, and I had gone to church on a Sunday morning with a guy who had been mentoring me. His name was Andrew Foote. He was the kicker of our football team. So it was really funny. They'd always say Foote with the kick. Um, And we had gone to church on Sunday morning, and... The, the, the sermon was on the parable of the sower. And so we went back to school and we're having brunch and saw some other football players there. And they said, hey, where, where, where have you been? So we were at church and, oh, everyone always asks, well, what was the sermon on, right? And I said, oh, it was the parable of the sower. And they're like, well, what's that? And so I go on to explain that there's, there's two types of soil. There's bad soil and good soil, which are bad people and good people. And, and the bad people don't really get the message of the kingdom, but good people do. And I'll never remember Andrew Foote, who was like getting, um, I think, chocolate milk at the time. He was like pouring chocolate milk, and he looked over me like, what? No. You, you've completely misunderstood the parable of the sower. So I don't know if you're anything like me, but that is how I understood the, pa- the, the parable of the sower for a long time. There's good people, bad people. Bad people don't get it. Good people get it. We're all good people, which is why we're here. That's what I understood. But that's a complete misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying. Because soil is, is actually passive in the whole thing. It, it's not a matter of being good and having merit and having worth, which is why Jesus digs a little hole and then plants a seed there. That's not the image that Jesus gives us through the parable. The, the parable is that soil is an environment where the seed can actually take hold, where, where, the, message of the, where the message of the kingdom can either take hold and set root or it's not allowed to. And, and so the, the reality is, it's not about good people and bad people. The soil imagery is actually way more helpful. Because for good soil, it's soft and malleable and responsive and receptive and willing to let the roots go down and then produce a crop. But the soil isn't like squeezing out the crop. And so that's why I think this parable is so key for us to understand. Because if you're like me and you've misunderstood it, it presents this like weird in-group, out-group thing, which is not at all what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about responsiveness, willingness to hear, ears to hear and understand, eyes to see and perceive. So I want to put up one more image because um, I think it might be helpful. This is more religious artwork. Uh, it's an icon of Jesus as the sower. Because ultimately, we understand Jesus is the one who comes to share the message of the kingdom, and he's spreading seed. And so there's different types of soil. Each one of us can find ourselves in this. Uh, there's the soil that's the, the path where the birds come and, and take the message away. Um, but the reality is, if you're here today, that's probably not you. Um, maybe, maybe it is, but it's probably not. Each one of us probably find ourselves in one of the latter three categories. So you might be the rocky soil. 
Now, you might be in a place today where you identify with that kind of, yeah, I burned out, I, I had a lot of joy at first, and then the, the, the troubles came, and persecution or the ridicule or the, the jokes at work started to come, and you know what? I've just distanced myself from Jesus. And maybe that's you. But if it is, what Jesus is saying to you today is that you can still set down roots. You can still set down roots and stick through the scorching heat and the troubles. That's what Jesus is saying to you if you find yourself in the rocky soil. I think more often than not, some of us are the soil with thorns and weeds. Like I said earlier, the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this life, that, that's something that many of us need to hear and pay attention to. Because many of us have our fruitfulness choked out because of the thorns of the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this life. And if that's you, can I say to you this morning that we should pray together that God would prune away those thorns. That, that God can and God will, if we respond to him, prune away those thorns. He wants you to bear much fruit. And so if you find yourself there today, as we prepare ourselves to come to the table, would you pray either uh, with someone next to you or by yourself or with one of us in the back, would you pray that God would prune away those thorns? And then lastly, as we come to the table, uh, you might find yourself as good soil. And, and, and I hope that, uh, River's Ed, I hope that all of us are, are good soil. Finding fruitfulness, hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, I hope that that's us. And if that's you, hallelujah, praise God. Praise God that he has Uh, sowed seed and that he has made it grow and his message has taken root and that you've had the privilege to respond to it. So if that's you, then we should praise God together because we're like soil. We're like dirt. And when we uh, assume, like I did, that there's like good people and bad people, which equates with bad soil and good soil, we fundamentally misunderstood the imagery that Jesus uses in the parable. But when we understand that we're somewhere as like soil who's, who's passive and, and the, really the goal of the soil is to receive and let the roots go down and, and produce crop, that's, I think, when we come to a better understanding of who God is and what he's doing in the world. So as we come to the tables this morning, we do this every single week. We receive communion every single week because it reminds us it's a visible representation in our midst of what God has done for us. So... Lance is going to come back up, and we're going to sing a few more songs. Um, But as we do, we are going to receive communion together. So the way that we do it here, the tables are open to anyone who calls on the name of Jesus. And so you take a little cracker, dip it in the the grape juice. And then you're going to hold onto it back in your seat, and then we'll take it together as a family after this first song. Um, But as you come to the table, um, feel free to, and I encourage you to reflect on where you find yourself in that image. And if you find yourself in rocky soil or thorns, then, then ask God to, to prune away the thorns or to let roots go deep down. And if you find yourself in the good soil, then let's praise God together. Because what we're reminded of at the table is that we are completely helpless apart from Jesus and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This is a reminder of this is actually our life and our salvation. That this is, Jesus' body broken on the cross is the bread of life. That our entire life is sustained by Jesus as the bread of life. 
And this cup is our salvation. It's the new covenant sealed in Jesus' blood that ultimately as we come to the table, we proclaim those truths to one another, to ourselves, and to the world outside. So I encourage you as you come forward to reflect on those things and then we'll take communion after this first song. If you would pray with me. Jesus, we come to you as the, the farmer, as the sower, as the giver of life, as our Savior. And as we come to your table this morning, we pray that you would seal these truths in our heart, that we would be able to respond to who you are, that we would be able to enter into a deeper sense of who you are and what you're doing in the world. Because you, you teach in, in parables to reveal deeper truth. And you teach in parables to reveal our heart posture. And so we want to reorient our hearts in the way that they need to be reoriented. We want to come to deeper understanding because we ultimately want to love you and love our neighbors. So as we come to the table, Jesus, would you meet us here? In Jesus' name, amen.